Welcome to 52 Minutes with Paul Rudy, an opportunity to learn about people in our area in a unique one-on-one format. Our host is someone who has spent his entire life growing up, attending school, and creating a highly successful business of his own in our local community. Please join us for the next 52 minutes as we settle in for another enlightening visit with today's guest. Here is our host, Paul Rudy. Welcome to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes. Today I have 52 Minutes with Mr. Tim Tatman, someone I was actually, I actually went to high school with back in the day, many years ago. And Tim is the owner and operator of Tatman's Collision. And uh, happy to have you here today. I'm glad you agreed to do this. And I thought it was interesting that you know, your first thought was, hey, you need to talk to somebody who has a more interesting story than mine. And I've, I knew your father, I know your father, and as I said, I think you were in the same uh, class as my wife uh, in high school. And from time to time, I had come across you, but I hadn't seen you in a while, so I thought other people might enjoy hearing your story, because I think it is an interesting story. So I'm going to go back now to sort of where you grew up and how you grew up Um, you were an Urbana boy Um, I remember I remember where your dad's shop was was that Kerr Avenue Uh, no it's on Perkins Perkins Avenue I always get those two confused Um, and I when you and I last spoke I said I recall you came from a somewhat of a what we thought of as a tough area of town uh, the Carroll edition area is that fair yeah, that's fair. I think the graduation rate was very low there. Uh, it was a pretty rough area. And, um, yeah, I remember a lot of kids from there. And, of course, this is going back now 40-some-odd years. Um, did you? Your father was a policeman, right, for a while? Yes, he was back in the 60s. And what's the while. connection? Is there there's a Tapman that was killed? Is that... Uh, any relation to you almost has to be. I, yeah, in my he mind. probably is in some way, but he's not immediate. Just a coincidence, right? Then. Exactly. And is that something you ever thought about doing? At when my dad started back in the day, of course, you want to follow after your dad, and, and uh, so yeah, I thought about it at the time. And what was it like back then, um, as a child of someone who was a police officer? Was that a good thing to you, or or that caused you any any problems with other kids? Uh, yeah, I got beat up some because uh, my dad was a cop. I mean, um, but I can't say it was a negative thing. Uh, back when he was a cop, that's back when they did the the riots, the uh, the riots at the U of I, the streaking, all that kind of oh, stuff yeah. was going on at the time. So, uh, but yeah, there was some a uh, little bit of turmoil for me, but uh, nothing that uh, scarred me at all. Yeah, any of you? You have siblings. You have how many brothers and sisters? Uh, I've got an older sister, and I've got uh, a brother that just passed away last in December, and then I've got uh, uh, three other sis- younger sisters from there. So Okay. And nobody followed in the footsteps of Dad as far as on the police side? No, nobody followed him there. And you went to the Urbana school system, um, which just familiarized for me, uh, like what grade school you went to. Uh, just kind of I'm going back in time now. Yeah, I started back in, uh, when I was in uh, kindergarten. I went to Thomas Paine because of the, I think there was an overcrowding. And then I went to Washington School, first through fifth grade. And then in sixth, we had moved out in the country, and I went to Thomas Paine. So I was one of the, you know, the first few groups that went through Brookings back in the day. Yeah, I, my wife went through Brookings, too. Sure. I remember that. I was My brothers and I were all, I think, well, it was called a junior high, Urbana Junior High then. I think now it's the middle school. And when you were in uh, high school or middle school, were you athletic? I played football. Um, we lived out in the uh, rural area, so uh, and my parents had divorced at that time. So I had to pick and choose what I could do because my mom had to bring me in. So I played football. It was basically the only sport I played. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I did. I did. I was... Uh, I was a chubby kid, husky, whatever you want to say. So uh, I didn't really get this my size until I was in high school. Um, so um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was being around a, a team and, and working together. That's I enjoyed it. And when did you start football? Did you start really early, uh, young age, pee wee type football? Yeah, I started pee wee. Um, 
played for the Wildcats, which is uh, the team that played out of uh, Crystal Lake Park area. That's where we practiced. Uh, and then back then, uh, the seventh and eighth grade had a team. They actually had junior high teams. So, but I started probably fifth or sixth grade. I think is when I started. And what? How would? How do you think your people in high school, either, either teachers or friends, how they would have described you as the type of student, type of person back then? Well, I was quiet. I got along with everybody. Um, we was uh, growing up was with my mom, lived with my mom, but we we went to church a lot. So. Um, I have, I was a quiet kid, I'd say, um, um, got along with everybody or tried to. Right. Cause uh, you know, uh, we all have our reflections of high school and there was a lot of racial strife, uh, back then. And I, you know, I remember just try to, uh, stay out of the fray of <laughs> there's frequent fights and battles. Uh, not all of them racial. They're just, some of them were just people like to fight in high school at, from time to time. But I managed to uh, escape all that. It also helped having three older brothers for me <laughs> um but you seem to avoid that as well oh yeah yeah we was taught i was taught not to fight um, i was taught how to fight from my dad but not to fight by my mom you know to turn the other cheek so and that one went over as far as you know your mom's view yeah oh yeah well i, I was with her all the time and that's um that's kind of how i was brought up was with i didn't run around with other kids because we lived out in the country my my group that I would run around with would be the youth group at church oh, okay. on, on Friday nights, and we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So there wasn't a lot of opportunities for me to get, not that you can't get in trouble with church kids, but there wasn't a lot of opportunities for me to get into trouble because the Carol Edition part of it was when I was real young in grade school, uh, and we lived on the outside of Carol Edition. So. And um, from high school, did you go on? go on to college after that yeah I went and played uh at the University of Dubuque in Iowa and I ended up breaking my foot and uh about the second game I think and I just wasn't prepared for college I didn't prepare very well in high school um and I ended up dropping out at the first semester and came back home so I was homesick and go, go back to high school was it that you just weren't that interested in academics or you feel like or was that something that just uh, maybe even from a family standpoint? I mean, I came from a family where it's, we're, we're a working family. My dad managed a clothing store. My mom and dad didn't go to college. Um, there was really hardly any expectation that any of us would. Um, so I blame some of my high school shenanigans on that. Was that sort of the, the, the case in yeah. your family? Um, I would say some of it uh – I just wasn't pushed to do it. Um, I just did enough to get by. Uh, so when you was looking to go to college, I had uh, I was on academic probation when I went in okay. because of my grades that I had. Right. And uh, it wasn't that I wasn't smart. It just I didn't try. So, but back then you didn't think it was what's the big deal? Why try? So. And I don't think it's like today either it's now it seems to be a normal expectation you go from high school straight to college but back in our day uh you know certainly a lot of kids went to college but not like they did today uh times are i think are different in that regard um tell me about your children well i've got uh three well my wife has uh, a daughter from her first marriage so she's uh older 46 i believe uh, my oldest son, Chris, is, um, and her name's Joey, and she lives here in, in, in town. My uh, oldest son is Chris. He is 36, um, and he is married. Has uh, I've got three grandkids and one on the way from him. Uh, my middle son is Matt, and he's 33, and uh, he's married. He lives in Muhammad, and he has a son that he just is a little over a year old. And then I have a daughter who lives in uh, uh, Indianapolis, and she's married. She She's married uh, um, and uh, no kids. Okay. So. Uh, close family, would you say, your your family is? Yeah, it, it is uh, closer now than what it was. Um, and I'm not really sure. I was divorced, and that divorce, I, I think the kids' lives are never the same from it. You know, I think you... 
the parents, you find somebody else, right? The, the other person finds somebody else, but the kids' lives are, are kind of uh, not the same. And we, we lived in Mattoon at the time. I was running the shop down there. And so um, my boys grew up as uh, the Green Wave, which was uh, in Mattoon, which was hard for me to root for them until they put the uniform on. But uh, oh, sure. Um, but yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Both the boys work for me at the shop. Uh, my daughter, of course, your daughters are always close to you. <laughs> yeah. But the boys, I've really gotten to know them over the last five years of working with me, side by side, working with them every day. And are the your your sons and daughters, are they pretty close? Are they pretty tight-knit? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, uh, you know, the, the daughter living in Indy, um, she comes in town once every couple months. Um, the boys see each other every day. Um, they've never fought or anything like that. It's just their two brothers. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're pretty close. Now, uh, I, I didn't know your mom, um, but your dad, uh, I knew. He's back then, you know, in my mind's eye, pretty intimidating guy, or could be. Yeah. Um, if if you the first impression of him, you think he's a, a very intimidating, rough guy, but he's really got a good heart, and so. Um, I think like when I, when people I would bring other friends around, they would think that he was mad all the time. But that's just the way he is. He's not mad. He just he puts on a front, a rough front. Did he grow up in, in a tough environment? Or yeah, I would say, and I'd say he, I would consider him to be poor. Uh, he had a big family. Uh, they grew up in Carroll Edition. Okay. Um, lots of I think he was about in the middle of uh, several brothers and sisters. I don't know how many. There was, I think there might have been 11 or 12 kids. Wow. Uh, my grandma, uh, Mildred, uh, she was divorced uh, when the kid, and she raised the kids by herself. So wow. it, was a, it was a tough upbringing for him. He shared some of that with me over the last few years of, of, of what he had to go through, and I think that's what, what drives him a little bit of, you know, to be successful is what he is. Did you know your grandparents very well? I knew my grandma um, okay. on my my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side. I knew, but my grandpa Tapman died when I was five, so I don't remember anything about him except bib overalls. And when you were a child, did you feel you were just uh, from an economic standpoint, uh, uh, you know, from a scale from rich to poor? Uh, how did you feel about you know your upbringing, kind of as more in the ch as a child? You know, I really never thought about it. I I didn't feel like we was poor, but I I don't think we, you know, just living with my mom only. Yeah. And it's just her raising me and my sister. I don't think we had much, but I I didn't know it. I right. mean, she she made it nice all the time. Christmas, we had great meals. Uh, I remember we ate out basically once a week on Friday night. She bring McDonald's home. That was the only time. But I I can I can't remember. I couldn't say I was poor at all, you know. Okay. Um, would it be fair to say uh, a lot of people in that Carroll Edition area where your dad came up with that was, that was one of the poorer areas of town? Is that fair? Or? Yeah, it was a lower income area. Yeah, it was. I mean, when I grew up there, around there, it was dirt roads back there. On right. Carroll was dirt, dirt back there by Max. And uh, um, yeah, I, I would say it would be. I, was, yeah, I remember back in high school, maybe it was just a rumor. You know how kids are, like, that a lot of the houses didn't even have indoor plumbing or floors. I don't know if that was really, that might have been a legend or a hangover from earlier, a generation or two before. Yeah, I don't, any of the houses I've been into weren't like that. You know, yeah, it wasn't, I, wasn't that poor, you know. Okay. Well, you, you know how legends, you sure. know, kids, you know, wild imaginations back then. It, it was, it always intrigued me because the, the kids that came out of that area, and you said you lived across from it and your dad grew up there. I always thought it was were more of the toughest kids in, in school, frankly, and I always felt like maybe that's because they were, you know, might have had tougher conditions. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of inner battles within the neighborhood. You know, there's the different families that seem to be at odds against each other, and and uh, there's just a little bit of that rivalry going on there. Yeah. Would you say all through <laughs> school and high school, um, you were pretty content and enjoyed school for the most part yeah enjoyed, yeah I did you know, so. uh, I was a shy kid you know I didn't uh, didn't really have a lot of friends but uh, 
uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I can't really think of, I, you know, there's a few bad times, but everybody has that. Sure, but, of course. You know, but I, I really can't say of any of it was a bad time. Okay. And so then you went on to college for a brief period of time. Now, when, when you were growing up, uh, how old were you when your dad opened his first shop? His first well, he started his, he started his shop in 1959. I okay. was born in 60, so he had already started it. Um, but he did the body shop on the spare time of doing his other jobs. So, like, he was a policeman. I think he did, worked the 3 to 11, and he worked at the body shop during the day. So he's always been a hard worker. Would you, know, you say he, he was self-taught? I mean, that seems to be a pretty technical yeah. industry. Well, back then, it, it wasn't as technical back then, you know, because it— they didn't have the computers on there back in. Right. So yeah, he was he was self-taught and and uh, started a little one-car garage behind our house is where it all started. Did you have an? Did you feel like you looking back, you had an affinity for that uh, that type of work yourself? Um, I worked there when I was in junior high and high school, um, like in the summers, because that was a chance for me to be around my dad because we didn't. You know, with my parents being divorced, we didn't really, I uh, didn't see him that much. So, um, <clears throat> but I worked in the shop. I started washing cars and sanding cars. So I started at the bottom. Was and, that uh, uh, kind, of, kind of, you didn't have a choice? You're, was that kind of your dad's thinking? Like, you're gonna, you're not going to come in here as a, even as a kid, as a big wig, you're going to go from the bottom up? Yeah, he kept me humbled all the, whole, all the time. You know, we, I started, uh you know, at the bottom, I, and and it was tough. I mean, a lot of a lot of people. I imagine their dad would put them in a man's position right off the bat. And yeah. I washed cars for two years, but what a what a great experience to do that because you got to see the final product. You know, and um, I got to work every job in the place over the last you know forty years. I've been doing it, so it was a good way to bring up. I think I've been kind of nice if I would have got a cushy office job, office job, but. I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if I had that. How much were you working, like when you were in high school? Did, did you, did you, you know, did you work a full summer, make pretty good money for um, a kid? Yeah, I don't. I didn't make very good money. I mean, Dad, he never did overpay. You know, um, it was just the experience being around the other guys. Um, I'm sure I wasn't the greatest employee back then, but uh, you know, I stuck it out. It was. What, it was, what do you mean by that? Just. T- not the best employee just because I was a teenager, a knucklehead, yeah. or was, or were, did you go through some phases where maybe you were a little more difficult? Um, well, I'd say after high school, I went through some phases where you're, where you're drinking and partying a little bit and coming in hungover, um, you know, not, not being the best employee there. Um, and, uh, you know, I just went through that phase and he, he stuck by me. I know probably sometimes he probably wanted to get rid of me, but um, he, he stuck with me. You're listening to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes. Today I have 52 Minutes with Tim Tatman. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes. Today I have 52 Minutes with Tim Tatman, owner-operator of Tatman's Collision Repair. Um, hey, by the way, you're glad to get that name back, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So yes. What I'm referring to is I remember there was a – and we'll get there, but it just struck me uh, – I kind of always – like a lot of people for the underdog, you know, and when the big giant firm is telling somebody they can't use their own name, uh, for their shop, uh, what was that all about? Well, basically they had t- taken the Tatman name off the shop that they purchased from my dad. They kept it on there for almost 10 years and, uh, they were not going to use it anymore. But when I opened, they said that they were going to use it again and they kept me from using it. I, okay. I couldn't believe it, you know, the, to start a shop, put all the money into it, but yet I couldn't use my own last name. It was just. And that, and that you know, I'm not just saying this, that name has a brand uh, in this town. But let's circle back. Um, so you left college. Where'd you go from there? Uh, I had a few jobs. I work at Polly Ice Pizza and uh, just a few jobs like that. Um, and then I went to. Um, Started work for my dad in uh, 80 uh, full-time and started washing cars for him. And how long did you do that with your dad? The washing cars? You well, mean? just working with your with I your work dad. with him. I work with him up until 
he sold him. He sold him uh, um, in. Uh, it would have been in the 90s, I believe, or early 2000s. He sold them to Collision Team America. Had you thought about trying to jump in and buy them, or that it just kind of happened unbeknownst to you? I mean, because you yeah. ended up in that business, and it just yeah. makes me just wonder out loud, um, did that bother you that they were sold? Or? Sure, sure. I mean, I I wanted to, That's I've always loved doing that and working there, and I kind of that was kind of my dream to do that. But I also realized that I wasn't ready at that time. I mean, I don't blame my dad now because right. it was his retirement. You know, he had to bank on me, and my head wasn't in the game yet. So, right. so, so some more maturing had to take place. Exactly. And, and nothing does that like age. Exactly. And, so, okay, so he, he sold that. Where would you go from there? Well, he sold the Collision Team American. I work with them. Oh, okay. Up until uh, – I stayed in the body business the whole time once I got in there, um, but I worked with them. They were a, co- a firm out of uh, Indianapolis. They was one of the first consolidators, and uh, I managed uh, one of the shops for them, and I managed one in Mattoon because we had moved down there. Um, they sold, well, they basically went bankrupt, and then my dad ended up buying them back. And okay. so... Uh, but before he bought them back, there was a time in there where I had uh, left them, and I had uh, started or bought a shop that was in Effingham, um, and uh, it was a, a good shop. But it was right at uh, right after nine eleven. Oh wow! So the the traffic in Effingham, you know, since there's seventy and, and fifty seven intersect there, right. you're kind of relying on the 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 tourist type people driving through to get the business so it was a bad time um, a couple of factories there closed down uh, it was a pretty dark time in my life really because I about went bankrupt um, but I learned so much from that you know from that time Is, was that just an immense pressure I mean it has to be a pressure cooker I've been through you know kind of a similar situation uh, uh, a pressure situation you know um, after I sold the bank and then the bank got into trouble a few years after that and cost me quite a bit of money quite a bit of money um what what what, how did that change you do you think mostly well it was it was a bad time of life because i was uh at that time uh i was drinking and it caused you to drink more for one thing but uh you know not knowing if you can pay your bills pay your vendors um i just i just remember to just about losing myself there, you know, okay. because of the pressure that was on me, uh, with really no way to see outside of that. And um, so, what changed then? What 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 kept you from from going down the vicious death spiral? Well, the what had happened is my dad ended up getting his shops back. He sold the uh, Matt Toon shop, and he went ahead and bought my shop. Oh wow! So. Uh, when he did that, I remember when he when he put money in my account to pay my bills. It was just like the weight of the world was off my shoulders, and that's when I I moved back to I worked still worked at the Effingham, and then I moved back uh, 15 years ago. I moved back to uh, Champaign, and uh, but even though it was probably one of the darkest times of my life, I, I learned the most from it. And how old were your kids back at that uh, point? They roughly. would have been. They would have been right around high school, you know, right around that time. And did did you think they knew what was going on? Do you think they could feel it, or no? Were you one of those guys that just you weren't going to bring it home? Yeah, I try not to bring it home. I mean, I, and uh, you know, I don't. I still don't bring things home. I like to leave it out out the door. But I don't think they knew how how dire it was at that time. Only only my wife knew. And did that make you you and your wife closer? Uh, were there days where you wondered? I mean, stress can do a, a lot to people. Oh yeah, and it, it affect it affected every aspect of my life. Of course, you know, I I kind of um, drifted away from my religious beliefs. I was drinking okay. more. Yep. I was doing all the things that you shouldn't do. Um, trying to cope with it, right? Like I thought I was coping with it, but I really wasn't. And your dad bought the shop. I'm just trying to connect these dots. Uh, that pulled you, at least financially, took away that darkness. 
Um, so you had some hope there. Uh, where'd you go from there? Well, I stayed there for a while working. My boys, my kids were, um, the two boys were out of high school. My daughter was still in school. But at that time, I was still living in Mattoon. At that time, I decided I would move back to Champaign. And I was planning on moving back to take over the shops. It's kind of in my mind what I thought I would do. Uh, I was going to come back uh, September 1st of 2004. No. Well, September 1st, I remember that. But on sep- August 15th, my dad had sold the shops again. Oh, no kidding. Before. Did you see that coming? No, not at all. Did you feel betrayed? Uh, there again, it was, uh, yeah, I was disappointed again, you know, because I kind of, I was different when I got back than when I was in Mattoon. I had matured right. a lot and I'd grown a lot. Um, so when I came back and that happened, then I was just working for these guys again. And they stuck me at the Rantoul shop. There's a small shop over there. And I uh, started managing that shop, and it was it was disappointing. I'm I'm not going to lie about it. It was disappointing, but I understand it. Did it light a fire under you? Um, it did. Uh, when I first started working for them in September, uh, started at that small shop. The person that was overseeing that was the regional over the four uh, Tatman shops, he had left the company, and I had asked them about me filling that position. And they accepted me in there, and it was just like a, I was kind of running the shops, sure, but I wasn't owning them, so it was almost uh, a natural thing for me. And I really seen that I had a lot of uh, knowledge at that time. That's when things started clicking for me okay. in my head that I had uh, got more confident that I I had the abilities that I didn't know I had. But you had this, it sounds like maybe, uh, you had a desire. I mean, there's a difference between working for a place and owning it. And, uh, it, and, and until you've done it, until you've owned something, you know, a lot of people just won't ever know that. Um, did that, did it just start becoming more and more of a, like a necessity to you that you got to get your own place? Yeah, because the Effingham experience wasn't really a good experience for me because I wasn't mature enough for it i i bought the place but when i took it over it was kind of like i'm the boss now it's kind of that attitude and i didn't really push and i realized that you got to keep your foot on the gas all the time so it wasn't really a good trial for me it was a trial on how not to do something so but when i was working for um car care the ones that bought it the last time especially there towards the end, I got to where I disliked working for them and I started vision, started looking at my own shop, what it would okay. be like and started, you know, visualization and, and uh, started getting some stuff down on paper and even before they let me go, I had a lot of stuff already in my head and already written down about my own shop. How much had changed from the your earlier years the car washing side of that business you mentioned technology i mean it's probably changed radically since then even but there probably had been picked up a lot of skills uh and, and picked up on a lot of change of technology in that by that time hadn't you yeah i sure have because this is all i've ever done you know i i um you know 12 hours a day five six days a week this is all i do and all i read about and yeah you know, of course, you go to some training and some seminars, and uh, it, it's, it was pretty scary there for a while, you know. In what way? Well, I can remember going to, and this is after I had uh, started this shop here, and I went to a seminar, and they talked about a lot about what's coming down the road, about uh, artificial intelligence and yeah. all the computers, yeah. all the equipment you're going to need. And it kind of scared me. I, I remember coming back and I told my dad, I said, man, I don't know if I want my boys to be in this industry because it's just, you know, these engineers are in these, uh, they're making these cars that we have to fix. And most, most body men don't have a college education, you know. Okay. So it was overwhelming, plus the equipment needed, uh, the cost of it. Um, but my dad, and his, all his wisdom, he says, he goes, yeah, I used to feel like that. He said, I always looked at it like 
like eating an elephant. He said, you look at that elephant and you think, well, there's no way I can eat that elephant. He said, but then you start taking a bite of it. Yeah. And before long, you got that elephant ate. Yep. So, you know, I took that and I started started at the beginning, started buying some equipment, started keeping up with the technology. And so I, even though I was far away from where I need to be, but now today, just a few years later, I'm, I've got everything I need. I've got all the equipment. I'm the best equipped shop in town, I would say, with as far as the newest technology. Could you have imagined uh, even 10 years ago what it would look like today? No, because the... Uh, you know, the autonomous driving, the self-driving cars, yeah. all the computers in there, all the uh, uh, the accident avoidance stuff that's on there, none of that was there 10 years ago. So, you know, the equipment, the equipment investment of, of owners is huge now. Used to be the the body men had a lot of equipment, a lot of, a lot of tools. Now it's the opposite. You know, you got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment that you have to have to fix these cars. Although not all the shops have them, but really to do it right, you're supposed to have certain welders, you're supposed to have certain uh, type of paint product you use, the way you spray it, everything is dictated to make it back to the pre-rec condition. So it's it's been hard to keep up with. But back when you were trying to figure it out and were kind of intimidated about what you were hearing from what was coming, my industry is very similar to that. There are days with, you know, I have my three sons and my, <coughs> excuse me, my son-in-law with me. And, you know, I start reading articles about what the future in our business is going to look like. And it's like, well, there's going to be five big giant firms and the small guy is going to be pushed out. I, you know, it, it gets you for a while. But um, was it kind of this feeling like, wow, this is going to take so much capital uh, and so much technology before you started just taking a bite of the elephant, is that kind of what you were looking sure. at? It was, like, it well, was they're going to squeeze the little guy out. Yeah, and then that was the rumors. I mean, because these consolidators were just buying up shops. And so what it was coming to is it's going to squeeze out the little guy. Um, and that's a fact, and that's still happening. I mean, there's some consolidators that have, you know, three, 500 shops throughout the, wow. across the United States. So the thing that the advantage that they have is these insurance companies like dealing with them because they got one contact. If they got a problem, they talk to this person and they deal with the 300 shops or whatever. Um, so there is some advantage to that. There's some buying, you know, discounts for the bigger shops. So it was pretty scary. You know, a few years ago, there wasn't any consolidators in town. Now there's Service King, who has my dad's old shops. There's Gerber, and there's some other ones that aren't even here yet. And um, the way they got here was because they purchased local shops. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come down to Little Champagne, yeah. Illinois. That, uh, that's what's going on in my industry. It's just, you know, every day I wake up and, you know, this big firm's buying another big firm. Sure. And, and they're else keep getting bigger. Uh, but you didn't let that intimidate you. You, you started taking bites of the elephant. And um, does it ever surprise you? And we'll start talking a little bit about um, your shop. Uh, and you said your two sons work with you. Right. Um, what's that like to work with your two sons? Well, I, I love it. Um, I'm doing a little bit differently than my dad did me. Um, I know working with, it's hard to work with your kids. It's, it's hard not to get upset with them right. when they're not right. plugging in like you think they need to. And uh, I think it hurt my dad's, me and my dad's relationship when I was younger. Um, we didn't do a whole lot outside of work. So when I hired my boys in, I hired an old friend of mine that, that has worked for me before that was wanting to come work for us, and I hired him to come in. His name's Rob, and he trained my boys for me. So if I ever had an issue with something they were doing and they were I was starting to get upset, i just back away. i go tell Rob, this is what I'm trying to tell him, and i move on. Now, my boys' personalities are a lot like they're laid back, you know, so... Okay. Um, but I think by doing that, we're able to go to birthdays together and things like that and have a life outside of work and not be mad at me all the time, kind of like I was, you know, a little bit as I was growing up. Yeah, one of the things I had to really work on, because I wasn't good at it at first when my sons first joined, was every time we were outside of work, I always wanted to talk about work. Um, did you find yourself doing that at first or were you really careful from day one not to, is that what 
doing things outside of work is do you mean by that where you do separate that and you don't talk shop yeah we try to um but we enjoy working there i mean they enjoy it so i don't think it's a big deal to talk about it and it's always a positive thing it's not getting on them about something that that didn't happen or so i think it's a good mix with my boys you're listening to paul rudy's 52 minutes today i have 52 minutes with mr tim tatman owner of tatman collision and uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes Welcome back to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes. I have 52 minutes today with Mr. Tim Tatman at Tatman's Collision Repair, owner-operator. How does that sound when, when you hear that? You're the owner-operator. Uh, it's still Still hard. get a kick out of it? Still, yeah, I do. It's hard to believe still, you know. Still somewhat new, I guess. It's been six years. Yeah, but uh, and we were when we left, uh, we were talking about, you know, having your two sons in the business, but yet trying to kind of stay close outside of the business and what a challenge that can be. Um, how do you think if they were in here and I asked them, what's it like to work for dad? What would you think I might hear? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I know a lot of times they don't, when I make a decision, they don't always agree with it. But I told my son, I told Chris one time, I could tell he was, not really going with what I was saying. And I told him, I said, I understand exactly how you feel because I've been there. And I said, I know that you think that you can run this better than me and that you can decide better than me. And I said, but you can't. You will be able to, but not today. I said, you just got to watch and trust the process like I did, and you'll have your time. Were you restless? Uh, you, you didn't see that when you were their age. You, you probably felt like you were more ready than maybe you really were oh yeah i always thought i was i could run it way back when i mean I, and i really realize now that i wasn't even close to being ready i think people underestimate just how hard it is to run a business forget the doing business just the running of a business yep. um you know it's a big difference between signing the front of a paycheck and signing the back sure um and it's you know i have a small family business myself but just the regulator it just this 80 percent 80 percent of my problems talk back <laughs> yeah it seems it, like exactly it, it is harder than what people think a lot of hours um plus i find myself it's a more of a 24 7 thing because i even if i'm not at work i'm thinking about something of course um and uh that's just the way it is i love it though i mean i i don't think i could ever work for anybody anymore well, I don't, I, I don't think you could either. I mean, I, yeah. you know, just in our p past couple of conversations, and most people that have done it on their own for any period of time, I think that becomes a real horrible struggle when they're forced into it. Yeah, um, I believe that. It doesn't sound like that's heading so uh, your way. So tell me about the business as it sits today. Um, I still can remember your dad's place uh, on Perkins, and I always remember – he was always tough about the insurance companies, and this just popped into my head. And I just remember I was probably 16 or 17. I think I, my first week I put a dent in the car. And uh, I just I can still remember this to this day. It's kind of like, well, you can't let the insurance companies tell you how a car is going to get fixed. You have a right to get it fixed in a certain way. Is that battle still there? Uh, if in my mind it was there back then, is that, you know, can a person get their car fixed exactly to specifications or do some insurance companies basically make you do it in a cheaper fashion? Um, no, I think the liability, the insurance companies want it fixed back the way it was. Uh, the biggest battle I have is aftermarket parts, not using factory parts. But the relationship with the insurance companies now is, is great. Um, because we we both want to make the customer happy. Has it always been that way, or, or no, am I imagining no, something was that a, wasn't there? There was a tough time in there, um, but now there there are factory uh, guidelines on how to fix them, and whether people follow them or not. If that's the way it's supposed to be done, all I have to do is present that document to them that this is the way it needs to be done, and they'll do it that way because they want to retain that customer just like i want to retain that customer how many employees do you have at this point i've got 35 35 yeah i started with four 
wow. on March March sixteenth of twenty fifteen. Is there a lot of turnover in that business or there is. I, I'm I've been very fortunate. Um why do you think that is? Uh it's a different environment for us, you know. There a lot of them go work for these consolidators and they find out that they're just a number. They're not treated very well. Um and for me it's a family business. It's always gonna be a family business the way they're treated, what the things we do. Um, I'm not a, don't feel I'm a hard guy to work for if you do the job the way it's supposed to be done. Um, and people enjoy working there. Are you quick to fire somebody or, or, or you have a slow fuse when it comes to yeah, that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a slow fuse. Uh, and I give people probably more opportunities than what I should, but I believe in people. And I try, and I try to teach my sons, you look at the positive that these people bring because there's always more positive than negative, and I give them plenty of opportunities until the point where it's time to let them go. Are you this you, you and and your wife Donna, um, the sole owners, or do the kids own part of it at this point? It's just me and her right now. So yeah, so you didn't say none of your business, like you said. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and and tell me about her role at the company because she works there and has right. Yeah, she has since day one. At, at the beginning, it, she was the front desk girl. And I kind of held all the other hats of the front end there. Uh, now she's a bookkeeper. She handles all the books, all the money. And we moved her office to the house because we kept growing and we don't have room for her there at the shop. So so um, how's the growth been? I mean, you guys, the Tapman name, as I said, um, it's kind of synonymous in this town with, you know, just super high quality, caring work. I assume that you're you've carried on that brand. Um, you, you know, is is that tough to maintain that? Uh, no, it's not. I mean, because that's all I've ever known. You know, did, just by my that's just the way I grew up. That's what we did. All shops aren't created equal. I mean, definitely it, not. Could, could somebody assume that you could pick A, B, or C, and you're going to get a similar result or exact result? Yeah, uh, from the, all three or the shops are different. The problem with the new cars is they cannot be fixed properly and you'll never, looking at it, you wouldn't see it. Uh, but if you got another wreck, if they didn't repair it properly, it's not gonna respond the way it's supposed to. So unfortunately you won't find out the defects until you need the safety of it. And how many cars would you say, uh, just spitballing, do you work on a year? Well, we do about 170 a month and we did, but the last few months we had that hailstorm. Yes. And so from July 11th until November, we did 450 just hail jobs on top of the collision jobs. So um, I, don't, I don't know where we ended up last year, but we, we did a bunch. One month, the most we did was a little bit over 300 in one month. So even though it was a COVID year for you, from a business standpoint, you know, a lot of businesses struggled uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, did COVID have much of an impact on people getting their cars fixed? At at the very beginning, it did. Uh, luckily, I had a three week back backlog, uh, and then I think after the they shut it down the second time, it started picking back up again. So, you know, we've actually had our best year ever this year, um, and I don't I don't know how, but we did. And where do you see your your sixty? Where do you see this going in, in your world? For me personally, yeah, I, I start there. I would, I would like to phase out of the day-to-day -day operation, and my boys pretty much take care of it. I got four key employees, two of my boys and two other guys, that um, kind of take care of different sections of the shop. We have a weekly meeting, so I'm trying to back out of it because I've been doing it a long time, and I'd like to do some other things. I don't want to retire. I just right. like to do something different. And you're, for, far as you can tell, your sons are interested in staying in the business? Yeah, I think they are. I, I got them both at one time. I sat down with them and I told them that this business isn't for any everybody. And if, if this isn't for you, just let me know and I'll help you find something else. Um, but it was kind of at a crossroads for me where I was going to dump some time into them or and uh, both of them, both of them said they were in. Uh, uh, Chris right away said he's in, no matter what. So um, they love the business. They're good at it. They're good with people, uh, and they love that Tapman name. Coming from Matt Toon, the Tapman name wasn't 
wasn't really anything in, in Mattoon. You get here, and because of my dad, the Tatman name is a very strong name. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, creates, it opens a lot of doors for you. So, uh, you you proud of that? Like your dad? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you, we all. You sound like you had some struggles back and forth. I don't want to over exaggerate those, but you know, you look back now and you think, "Wow, what a what a name he's built." Oh, yeah. Then you guys, then you've taken it, and maybe arguably, uh, would you say you've taken it further, or yeah. at least uh, you didn't do any I'm damage try, to I'm it? I'm trying my best not to. I just I appreciate what he did when I got sued having trying to use a name I thought you know you can't get upset because you know he made the name so valuable in this industry that that's why it's out there like that so and that's why you were getting sued because exactly that was, they yeah. knew the value of that name and there's a, a pride for it with me I mean I could see how hard he worked for it yeah um, what he sacrificed to do it do all he did and I, I appreciate it now back when I was a kid I didn't of course, well, of course. you don't you know would you look at yourself in the same in some of the same way that, that would you consider that you've done a lot of sacrificing and to to get where you are? Yeah, I'd say I have, but I I love what I do, so it's it's not like work for me. And the doors have opened, things have happened, the right employees have come at the right time, and I I do believe that if you do the right thing, good things happen. You do know, you see yourself expanding from here? Do you want to expand? You know, if I was younger, I could say, yes, I do. It, it's it's available because there's a need out there for, for good quality work. Uh, being with the Car Star franchise, uh, that uh, allows me to get some uh, direct repairs from insurance companies right off the bat. So, well, you know, if the, I was What is younger, that relationship, that Car Star? Well, Car Star is just a franchise, but it helps me. I'm like a Gerber or a Service King. So I own 100% of the shop, me and Donna do, but I get the advantages of the consolidator. So I get bigger discounts, I get paint discounts, I get the insurance companies deal with us like they would the bigger guys. So it's it's put me at a on the level playing field as uh, consolidators. Uh, is it a financially rewarding business, or is it just you know it's just been good to you, been great to you? Would you say it's been great? I mean it's. Um, it's just now getting to that. I mean, because the first few years of any business right. is a struggle, but it's starting to come around. I mean, we're by all means not rich, but we we have all the stuff we need, you know. And so it's it's uh, um, it's very rewarding financially, but it's rewarding as far as the feeling how it makes me feel and the the pride I have in what we're doing. You know, starting without the Tatman name was hard. But I started it without the Tatman name. So this yeah. business is my business. It's not the business I've got from my dad. Of course. It's my business that I started. Now getting the Tatman name really blew it up. But so it's kind of the best of both worlds. What's your dad think of, of what you've done? Well, he's not one to come up and say, hey, I'm, you know, but he's he's proud of what's going on, you know. And, and uh, you could just, you just. Because you can just tell. Yeah, I can tell, and then you hear other people. He talks to other people about it, but we've never had that. We're just not a huggy family, you yeah, know. We're, we're I you know, that. we're we're uh, that's just the way we are. And, and uh, but I know he is. I mean, we it's it's been good, and, and to have him, he's my advisor, business advisor. So he's what a great resource I have if I have any questions. Yeah, that's invaluable, isn't it? Yeah, it is because, uh, you know, he cares about me. He's always, and he doesn't really tell me what to do. I can go in there with something and we can talk about it. By the time I leave, I've got the answer. But he didn't tell me. He he talked me through it. So he's teaching me how to deal with issues and how to work them out myself. So it's it's very good, you know. Yeah, he's a classic rags to riches uh, story, really. Yeah, he is, and you, you know, most people, if you didn't know him, if you seen him, you wouldn't think he was as as big a deal as what he is, you know, because he's a pretty down to earth guy. He got involved in quite a few businesses after that, diff different types of investing. Yeah, he's he's still got a lot of uh, commercial property and and things that he still does. Does that interest you? That you know, kind of going to that next phase. Or? Yes, I've thought about it a lot lately about uh, what the next phase is going to be. I'd like to do something 
where I can I can dictate my own day. When you own a business, you kind of know what you're going to do. You're going to go in there at a certain time. You're going to do certain things. I would like to just get up and do what I want to do that day. You know, what's if, the best thing about your being in that business? I think for me, the best the best thing is being a leader with the guys, and the feeling of that that these guys count on me. They look up to me. Um, I'm I'm not a hard guy to work for, so it's not like if they mess up, I'm going to yell at them. Okay. But they don't want to mess up because they don't want to let me down. And that's a good feeling to have that kind of loyalty um, from anybody, let alone your employees. Well, it doesn't just happen, though. I mean, that I, it's, I take that circles back to kind of it's a family business. Sure. And, and they that, feel like family, I think. And I've been amazed in work with my boys and my son-in-law how many people have chosen us just because of it's a family business. I, I, I totally underestimated that. Yeah, especially this area. You think this is a big town, but it's really not. And uh, when them articles come out about the uh, name thing, when right. they were suing us, we had a lot of people come over, and they're like, you know, they didn't know that we didn't own those old shops, but they want to deal with a local company. You know, somebody that's from here, that I spend my money here, I invest here, you know, and the, this is a small town, really. It is a small town. I, I think sometimes we forget that. Um, uh People, if you have a good brand and you take care of that brand, people uh, really seek that out, I think. And uh, I'm assuming that you wouldn't, have you ever, when you thought a car was completely repaired, but you look at it and you know it's not and you got to pull it back in, is that painful to do that? Oh, yeah. I've done some, done things that's very costly. But it's what's right. That's what built and, your name, and we made we made that decision. And I don't I don't regret it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I think it's a wonderful story. Um, it's 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 this, it's a classic. You're a classic thirty five year overnight success, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've been spending fifty two minutes with Mr. Tim Tatman, owner of Tatman's Collision, and uh, here in town, and uh, really enjoyed the meeting. And I appreciate you being on with me. Thank you, Paul.